Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. So let's go to Acts 14. And uh, I've entitled this series, Rebuilding the Walls. And uh, the Lord said to me on the 3rd of April, He said, the next six months are crucial. And He said, it will be a time, and and He said some things. He said, it will be a time of rebuilding, reconfiguring, and revitalization. And He said, for the church, it will be a time of refiring. And He said this, not because it, the church, is cold or weak, the church will be refired because of the spiritual excitement and energy that will exist as souls are saved, bodies are healed, and many are filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm. He said these six months will fill and increase some churches while others seem to die on the vine. The reason for this is that it's a proving time. Are they willing to move forward with what I want to do or will they settle back into how things have always been and miss this great opportunity they've been presented with? Those that move forward will become greater and have a greater voice. That's us. And greater influence. Those who do not will fade until they are ineffective and largely forgotten. Know and understand that this season you're entering into is a time that's precious to me because of the hungry, needy, spiritually ignorant men and women who will be searching for answers. I'm entrusting them to the care of my church. Do your part. Do all in your power to be certain you're ready to meet their needs. Hallelujah. So we're rebuilding the walls. Amen. Uh, When we begin to tell people that God wants to rebuild the walls of their lives, what happens is we create a God consciousness in their life. There, there are people that you know and I know and people in the world and, and, and unfortunately even some believers that they live a life really void of a God consciousness. And when I say that, I don't mean that they, they, that they don't know God exists or they don't believe God exists. It's just their life is not God conscious, right? You know people and I know people that they never think about God until something bad happens and then they call out to God, Right? They, they all of a sudden get God conscious. When we begin to tell people that God wants to rebuild the walls of their lives, we create a God consciousness. We create a God consciousness in our city. We create a God consciousness in our, our neighborhood, in our county. And when we begin to reach out, they'll listen. When we begin to reach out, they'll listen. This is the perfect opportunity for the church. And here's why. The world's pulling inward. The world's pulling inward. Hallelujah. Amen. The world's drawing inward. It's time for the church to reach outward. And and be the voice and be the force and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Amen. So the world must see the supernatural through the church. 
the supernatural for the church. The Lord said to me, he said, normal is returning for the world, but normal is not returning for the church. Supernatural is coming for the church. And I believe that because I hear that a lot. I just want things to be back to normal. Things are never going to be back to normal in the church ever. If we will respond to what God's asking us to do, things will never be normal again. Amen. Because there's been word after word from men and women of God that are trusted and that have, that have been accurate. There's a great awakening that's coming. This thing that's coming is a revival that's unprecedented. The world has never been ripe for the harvest the way that it is right now in the, in the season that we live in. And it's not a coincidence that you were born in this generation, that you're alive in this generation, that God placed us where He placed us. Amen. Souls are saved. Notice what He said. As souls are saved, bodies are healed, and many are filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 14, beginning in verse 1, it says, It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together, Paul and, uh, and Barnabas, into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they, speaking, notice, boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace. Notice now, the Lord gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. One translation says, the Passion says, for He backed up His message of grace with miracles, signs, and wonders. He backed up the message of grace with miracles, signs, and wonders. The Lord said something else to us. He said the fifth month, the month of May, was a month that His grace would be shown to a people that had largely forgotten Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Part of that grace being shown is signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles. He backed up His message of grace. God does not just let the Word be preached without any attesting signs. He backs up what is preached. Because every time you preach the word as a minister, you're using your faith. It takes faith to get up and preach. And when you preach anything or you do anything in faith, it produces the results the word said it would produce. Amen. And so what were they preaching? Well, if the Lord backed it up with signs and wonders and miracles, they were preaching signs and wonders and miracles. That's the message of His grace. If you're sick, you don't have to be sick anymore. Amen. If you're in bondage, you don't have to be bound anymore. That, that demon doesn't have to hold you in bondage any longer because God's grace is here. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, So Paul and Barnabas stayed on there a long time, speaking freely, notice, and fearlessly, and boldly in the Lord who continued to bear testimony to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be performed by their hands. If the church wants to rebuild people's lives, those, people's have, those people have to see signs and wonders from the church. There has to be something different 
about us than they see in themselves. There has to be a power behind what we preach. T.L. Osborne said something when he and uh, Daisy first went on the mission field to India. They went to India, and and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this briefly. And he said, we got there and we were miserable failures. He said, because we got there and we would tell people, we would, we would tell them that Jesus was the answer, and, and they would say, well, why do you say that? And we would say, well, because the Bible says so. And they would say, yeah, but our holy book says this. And Jesus is one of many gods, we believe, but we have millions, and Jesus is one of the millions. And he said, we never could get an inroad because we would say, because Jesus said, and they would say, but our prophet said. Or our God said. And, and long story short, they came back home. They were broken down physically, broken down financially. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And he saw that the answer was signs, wonders, and miracles. And when he got that revelation, they went back and they started back on the mission field in Jamaica. And they went to Jamaica and were holding meetings. And people not only got saved by the scores, they got healed by the thousands. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And people kept trying to tell him that won't work everywhere. He went all around the world preaching that Jesus is the sign worker, the miracle worker, the wonder worker. And he would challenge people in nations that were completely adverse to Christianity. He would have a blind or a deaf or a crippled person on the platform. And he'd say, if Jesus doesn't heal them, he's not God. Amen. And then he would lay hands on them in the name of Jesus and they would get healed every time. Amen. Boldly and fearlessly. They spoke the word of grace. And the Lord backed it up with signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. Do you see that? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Brother Hagin said signs, wonders, and miracles were the calling card for the church. The dinner bell for the church. Amen. If people find out that they can get healed coming to your church or get healed going where you go, they'll show up because they want to get healed. You've got to understand that. We, we can't just be a group of people that preach the word and talk about what God can do. We have to move it to demonstrating what God can do. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Thank you, Jesus. Signs and wonders are proof to the world that the church has the answer. They're proof to the world that the church has the answer. If anyone in here, if God has impacted your life in any measurable way, something changed in your life. And it, and it wasn't just you got born again and you were no longer a sinner. Something drastic happened. Something changed. You were miraculously healed. Your depression gone or whatever it may be. Something happened in your life that bore record to the fact that you have found the answer. And it wasn't just the word in in the sense of a message. It was a word that has the power to change my life. Only the Word of God has the power to radically transform a person's life so that they don't even recognize the life they're living anymore. Only the Word. And, And when you preach the Word, things begin to change. 
Lives begin to change. Minds begin to change. Bodies begin to respond. You can't come to this church and stay sick. You can't come to this church and stay broke. It's impossible. Why? Because the word's being preached. Has nothing to do with me. Has nothing to do with my wife. It has something to do with what we believe about the word of God. And we believe that when the word is preached, signs follow it. Amen. Glory to God. Shouldn't be any different. I say it shouldn't be any different. This is not a different church. In Acts 14, this is not a different church. This is the baby church. And anything that is growing and maturing should be stronger than a baby. Amen. The church of the generations that we have lived in have spent so much time pointing back to what the early church did and preaching about power and preaching about miracles and preaching about signs and wonders, we forgot to demonstrate them ourselves. Oh, glory. Do you see this? It's proof that we have the answer. It's proof that we have the answer. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a pastor in our area that come under some fire not too long ago uh, for keeping his church open. And, and I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. That's between him and God. But here's, here's the point. Is, uh, you know, he, he told a deaf woman one time, a deaf woman, stone cold deaf. He told her, if you come to church tonight and God doesn't heal you, he said, if you come to church tonight, I'll give you $100 and God will heal you. Amen. You, all you got to do is come. Whether you get healed or not, I'll give you a $100 bill. And if you come, I'll give you that $100, but I, I'm telling you, God will heal you. Amen. The woman showed up, got prayed for, God healed her. He's got a picture giving the woman the $100 bill. Well, that Chad Gonzalez is his name. He's a Raymond grad. Amen. There, there was a girl came into one of his, his, his services that had a, a one leg about that much shorter than the other one. She, she had one of those uh, 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 braces on, and, and, and it was a stilt, man. It wasn't, it wasn't a brace. It was a stilt. And she sat down on a chair in front of him, and before he could almost get the words out of his mouth, that leg grew out. I guarantee you, everybody in the place, their attention was now on what he has to say. Amen. Your testimony is so powerful because you can tell people where you were and where you're at today. And it is physical living proof that God can rebuild the walls in their life. Amen. No matter what it may be. Hallelujah. We've got people in here tonight that were homeless, that were living in their car, that had nothing. And God brought them to a place of having not just more than enough, so much they hardly know what to do with it. We've got people in here that were hopelessly bound by substances, hopelessly bound by alcohol. But here you sit tonight free. Mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, and your life is a testament to the power of the word of His grace. All you heard was one word from God and it totally revolutionized, transformed, changed your life. Amen. Glory to God. Preaching and teaching the word are vital, but there's a demonstration of the word that is preached and taught. 
There's a demonstration of it. Amen. An old minister told me one time, he said, never preach and teach miracles without giving people the chance to get a healing and a miracle. Amen. Lay hands on people. You know, and I know the season we're in, you know, everybody, no, don't touch me and don't, well, I understand that. And, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm saying is, is you, <laughs> you want to get your hands on people. I tell the preachers in our fellowship all the time, don't just be anointed. That anointing's not for you. That anointing's not just so you can preach good. It's to get your hands on people and get them set free. Amen. And the day's coming. I'm telling you, the day's coming. You know, you, you hear a lot of things about what's going on in the world right now. But you know, you know what was astonishing to me? Was that they told me that in, in, some, in some facets, they're expecting the deaths by suicide to triple, double, quadruple. People have no hope. They have no answer for the things they're facing. That hopelessness was always there. There was just some crutch they could lean on. Amen. But when that crutch is gone, when there's no hope physically that you can find, you've got to have somebody that says, I'll give you some hope. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, there's an answer for the problem that you're facing. Amen. Glory be to God. Do, do, do you see that? So important. There has to be a demonstration of the word that is taught. Brother Hagin told a story one time. He was in a, in, a, in a meeting and he said, oh, the anointing would just keep coming on me so strong. And he said, I just wanted to run. I wanted to jump over the banister and just run. And he said, every time I would start, the Lord would say, don't you do it. Now I'm paraphrasing what he said, don't, don't do it. And he said, he said, I would go on and I would keep preaching and that anointing would come on me. And he said, I would just want to run and I'd start to run and I'd hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do that. Wait. And he said, I don't know, the third or fourth time he just, that anointing came on him strong. He said, the back doors of the church opened up and they wheeled a paralyzed man in. And the Lord said, that's what that's anoint, that anointing's for. That's what that anointing's here for. And he laid hands on the man. He got up out of the chair completely, totally healed by the power of God. Amen. That's what the anointing's for. The anointing's not to make us one better preacher. The anointing is so we can get people set free. He said that the yoke would be destroyed by reason of the anointing. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach, to deliver, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his free-flowing favor. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, notice in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to rebuild people's lives. We're going to rebuild people's lives. Hallelujah. Have to. Glory to God. Acts 4, 29. Now, remember, this is after they were uh, threatened to not preach or teach anymore in His name. And it says, now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Well, look at what they said. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Now, then the next word is by. So he's telling us how this boldness is going to come. Mm 
by stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. So they're saying, Lord, grant us boldness, and here's how we want you to do it. Back up what we're saying. Back up what we're saying. We'll be bold. When you reach out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders, it'll make us bold, and we'll preach it even stronger. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Preaching the word with boldness, followed by what? Healing signs and wonders. Healing signs and wonders. And notice, there's no time to find out, is this God's will? For healing signs and wonders to happen. Amen. When, when you pray for people that are, that are facing a deadly disease, there's no time to ask if it's God's will. You got to know God's will. And you got to move boldly into it. Amen. I had a person call me last week. I was in Kansas. A gentleman that, that I knew from our prison ministry that had come to the, the Bible study I did for years in uh, 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 the Lansing prison. And uh, uh, he called me and he said, Pastor Steele, he said, I have a, a young boy, 13 years of age, and he was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor in his brain, and, and the thing has moved around to the frontal lobe, and the doctors are pretty much, you know, they, they don't know what they can do, and, and uh, mom and dad found out that there's a healing meeting tonight and they would like to bring the boy and every voice in my head my head not my heart in my head is screaming at me his his immune system is compromised you can't have him right and I said look I know what's going on in the world and I said I'm not going to tell you not to bring anybody to my church that needs healing but you got to do what you got to use wisdom whatever they think is wisdom man they showed up they showed up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Because they need an answer. People need an answer. They need an answer. And I, and I, I literally wept looking at a 13-year-old boy that has his whole life ahead of him. And the enemy's trying to take it away from him. Hallelujah. It wasn't just the word they needed. They needed a demonstration of the power of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I lay, I lay, I, I used as precautions as I could, but I had to get my hands on him. Yeah. I laid hands on him through, through some material, laid hands on him, and I'm praying, and I felt that healing power surging into his body, and, and what, what just brought the compassion of God out to me was his tears begin to drip on my hands as he began to ask God to heal him. I look up and mom and dad are there and they're weeping. They want God to heal their child. They want God to turn it around. If we don't do what God has told us to do by reaching out and touching the world, we'll miss the chance we have. Amen. Hallelujah. I told him, I said, for whatever it's worth, I know that healing power went into him. Amen. Amen. Boldness. Amen. Boldness. It was not just the preaching that attracted non-believers to the church. It was the healing signs and wonders. Healing signs and wonders. Blind eyes being opened. Bodies being healed. Demons being set, uh, cast out. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 8. Am I helping you so far? 
Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip, I like that it was Philip. <laughs> then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now remember, when he's preaching Christ, he's preaching the anointing. Acts chapter 10, Peter said, This is the message that we preached and the message that you heard. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, we went around all Judea preaching that. What did they go around preaching? God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and we can heal you. That's what they preached everywhere they went. Amen. And it says Philip went, and notice they didn't change the message. He went and preached Christ. Well, who had taught Philip how to preach and teach? Peter, John, Philip, Bartholomew. And what had they preached those three and a half years? That Jesus is anointed to set you free. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And he went and he preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord whew, gave heed unto those things that Philip spake. Why did they do that? Hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Yeah. Yeah. Right? For unclean spirits... Crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies, creeping paralysis and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. What happened in that city? A God consciousness showed up in that city. Amen. In Samaria, a God consciousness showed up and he was preaching but not. they didn't come to hear the preaching. They saw demons being cast out. They saw paralyzed people getting up. They saw cripples walking. They saw the blind seeing. And they said, we better listen to him. Amen? Do you see this? Hearing the word preached and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, deliverances. Notice the result. There was great rejoicing in that city. Hmm. Great rejoicing. I want great rejoicing in my city. I want great rejoicing where we live. How is that going to be? Healing signs and wonders and miracles. People getting set free and delivered. I don't care what season a, a, a nation is in or what season a people are in. When people that are depressed and that are demon possessed and that are full of fear and sick in their bodies, when they start getting delivered and set free and healed, it'll change the atmosphere in a city. Amen. It'll change the atmosphere. Now notice, there was great persecution. It says there was great persecution. Verse, verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They were being persecuted. And they went out throughout the land preaching. And then they demonstrated what they were preaching. There's never a time the church is called to lay low. Never a time. There's never a time the church is called to hang out and just ride out the storm. Just hang on until it gets better. We're called to take action and produce change. And in order to, for people to see the power of God, we got to demonstrate the power of God. Notice something in Acts 17. Mm, hallelujah. I remember just being a young minister, a young minister, 
Still a young minister, but a younger minister. And, and, and this, just, this just turned me on my ear. Turned me on my ear when I read this. And of course, this is uh, uh, Paul and, and his company. And uh, the Jews and certain people wanted to get a hold of them. And verse 6 says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now they're in our city. Right? One translation says, They that have turned the rest of the world upside down. The Jerusalem Bible says, Those that have been turning the whole world upside down are here now. Notice how afraid they were of the power of God. These guys that have been turning the world upside down are here now and we got to do something about it. Isn't it time that the world, the church quits being afraid of sin and starts making sin afraid of us? Light, darkness cannot overcome light. Amen. I, I know. You know why I know that? Because I came in here tonight and there were parts of this building that were dark and when I turned on the light, the darkness left. The darkness didn't say, I'm not leaving, I'm not going. And the light wasn't working against the darkness. There was no light interceding that we could overcome the darkness. I flipped on the light and the darkness left. Amen? Why? Because all darkness is is an absence of light. And when light shows up, darkness leaves. They showed up in this city. Amen. And it wasn't the Christians that were on the defensive. He immediately put the evil on the defensive. And they said, we got to do something because they've turned the rest of the world upside down. And now they're here to turn our city upside down. We ought to just turn Little Rock on its ear. Amen. Somebody's got to do it and I volunteer. I volunteer. Amen. And, and the surrounding communities. And Mau Mau. Amen. Everywhere we got a voice. Glory to God. Amen. Let them say what they want. Well, they're a little loud and they're a little rambunctious and they're kind of, kind of crazy, but you can get healed. Amen. I mean, I sat down by that little woman named Mary, and she was speaking in some language, but in the middle of the service, she reached over and touched me, and I got healed by the power of God. Turned my world upside down. Rebuilding people's lives. Rebuilding their lives. Notice Acts 19. There's so much in the Word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. People get healed and what the church calls revival breaks out. But it's not revival. It's normality for the church. The church doesn't need to be revived because it's never been dead. You revive something that's dead and doesn't have any life. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has never been dead. The church is not void of power. You've already got all the power. Jesus said, all authority. I taught on that for weeks. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go 
and you preach the gospel and you heal the sick and you raise the dead. Freely this authority has been given. Now you go freely give it. Amen. And so it's not revival in the sense of we talk what we talk about. It is a normality that comes back to the church. The church was birthed in signs and wonders and miracles. The church was birthed in a move of the Holy Ghost. The church was birthed when the Holy Ghost broke the sound barrier and came into the earth in a mighty form of a mighty rushing wind and touched 120 men and women in the upper room. And in one day, 3,000 people were born again. And in another day, 5,000 people were born again. But they weren't just preaching. They were healing people, setting people free, and delivering them from their bondages. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that. Acts 19, verse 9. But when different ones, diverse, the King James says, were hardened, hardened their hearts, and did not believe, but spake evil of that way, the way of faith, before the multitude, he, Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued the space of two years. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. And here's that word and. Conjunction, junction. <laughs> now they're preaching and God, now you got to go all the way back. We don't want to turn there to back to Acts 14. Because remember it said when they preached the word of His grace that He backed it up with signs following. And God, they preached the word and notice what God did. Wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from His body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Do you think people are not going to come to that church when they say, I'm going to have, for, just for the sake of teaching, my man of God, anoint or pray over this cloth. And we're going to bring it to your hospital room. And we're going to believe God for you to be healed. And they bring the handkerchief or the cloth or the shirt or whatever it is, and they put it on that person, and the power of God comes into them, and they get completely healed. Do you think they're not going to want to find that place? They will. Do you see this? All that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. The word of His grace. And along with the preaching of the word, there were miracles. The Woos Bible says, demonstrating the power of God. A miracle is an interruption of the natural course of nature. That's what a miracle is. Amen. A miracle. A miracle is something that cannot be explained. A healing can somewhat be explained, not a miracle. When somebody gets a miracle, it can't be explained. It's, 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 it's one of the three power gifts and the nine gifts of the Spirit, the working of miracles. All right, when somebody has a miracle, they can't explain it. It's, it's, they, they got a tumor, a cancerous tumor in their body. It was there when I went to church, went to the doctor two days later, and it's gone. Can't explain it. 
Now, I'm not saying you because you're spiritual people, but there, there are people that get so used to hearing stories like that. Amen. That you'll even start qualifying it. Now, I know you've heard these stories. You know what happened. You know, they got hands laid on them, and three days later, they went to the doctor, and the doctor came in scratching his head. You know how many times you've heard that story and said, I don't know what happened. It was there. Here's the scan. It was there, but now it's gone. Don't ever let that be lost on you. That that was a miracle of our good God. It should be commonplace in our assemblies, but it should never go without great rejoicing and great thanksgiving because it was a miracle of our good God. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Notice that people were physically healed after coming into contact with aprons and handkerchiefs. We don't know if Paul prayed over them. It says they were taken from his body. We don't know if he prayed over them or what he did. But that anointing got trans. God wants to heal people and set them free so much that he will allow the anointing to reside in an apron or a handkerchief and he will allow that anointing to stay there and have it be released when it's put on somebody's sick body. That's how much God wants people's lives rebuilt. He's so good. Amen. A woman come to my father one time and she said, and she said, Brother Steele, she said, my husband just does not want to get saved. And she said, you know, I used to take prayer cloths home and, and pin them in his shirts and things, but he would find them and throw them away. And she said, I don't know what to do. And the Lord quickened him. He said, tell her to bring some soap. And so she brought some bars of soap and my dad prayed over them anointed those bars of soap. And she went home, put them in the bathroom and at the sink and everywhere. And he's showering with the soap. And he came to her about two days later and he said, I don't know where that prayer cloth's at, but I'm going to find it because the Holy Spirit's bugging me. He's showering with the prayer cloth every day. Amen. About a week after that, he came and said, I got to get saved. I got to get born again. I, now, now that's, that's, we're not making soap a doctrine. What I'm saying is God will inject the anointing in some Irish spring to get somebody saved. Amen. We had a lady bring a Dr. Pepper to pray over it one time. A person like Dr. Pepper, pray over it. They'll, they'll accept this. Hallelujah. Whatever it takes, rebuilding people's lives amen Amen. Amen. isn't that great about our good God that 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 that's something that looks so simple and even absurd that there was a man in our church you'll remember this uh uh, he's moved to heaven now but uh uh, by the name of Kerry Lacassier big man big man and and built like James big man and that's right and uh, uh uh he had just got married not too long before, and he went into uh, the hospital for surgery, surgery on his hip. Well, on the operating table, had a heart attack, and uh, 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 they couldn't revive him, and, and, and he eventually uh, began to breathe again, but he was in a, in a coma, medically induced coma, and when they went to bring him out, they couldn't bring him out. He, he wasn't responding. I remember the Sunday night that his wife walked in the back door of our church and came up and wanted prayer, and she's weeping. They're, they've not given him any hope. They, 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 they have said there's no chance. 
And the Lord quickened me and he said, take a handkerchief and pray over it. And I prayed over it and I told her, I said, take this up to the hospital and put it on his chest. And she, this is her testimony. She came back to the church and told me this. She took that handkerchief up and put it on his chest. And she put that handkerchief on his chest. She didn't pray. She didn't know what to pray. She put it on his chest. And in two hours, his eyes opened up and he came out of the coma and went home in two weeks. You remember that? Amen. God injected that handkerchief with the healing anointing and went and they laid it on the chest of a man that had largely forgotten God. But I guarantee you, guess where he was the moment he was able to get out of the house? Church. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't tell you the times I've heard my wife say, you know, where else could I go but to the church? It's, that's where I got delivered. That's where I got set free. You know, you know we, we, we hear these testimonies. She mentioned last night that she was on methadone. Well, methadone is that wonderful drug that the government gives you to get you off of heroin. The problem with methadone is you get twice as addicted to the methadone as you were to the heroin. And you get sicker coming off of the methadone than you do coming off the heroin. Am I right? And so every week or ever how long it was, she was part of a caravan that would go to a place up uh, uh, north, northeast. Where's that? Which is how far? Four hours every day of every month to get their methadone. Are you following me? We're just telling it all. So when God delivered her, He delivered her of things that people go through withdrawals for months. Not days, not weeks, months. And the man of God laid hands on her and rebuked that spirit that was binding her. Amen. The Holy Ghost came into her and you heard her testimony. She went home that night and flushed it all. Never had a withdrawal. Never had any Jones and Fitz. Was totally set free. And I've been married to her almost 30 years. And she's never went back. Never had a falter. Never had a failure. Why? Because when God sets you free, you're free. Glory to God. Can, can I give God glory? There was another man who was on the same level of methadone that I was on at the time. Glory to God. And he got arrested, and of course the jail wouldn't give him the methadone. He couldn't get out of bed for three weeks. I was delivered in a moment. It took him three weeks just to begin to get up and be able to walk around. He was sick in the bed for three weeks coming off that methadone, but God delivered me in one moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All glory to our good God. To our good God. Hallelujah. And it, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I, I've seen it time and time again. 
I've, I've heard people talk to me about, uh, about lifestyles. And they say, oh, homosexuals, it's so hard to get them delivered. I'm telling you what. I've seen homosexual after homosexual come into our church and get saved and touched by the power of God. And immediately their lifestyle changed. Immediately they begin to think right. Folks, you've got to understand something. That when we begin to preach and teach deliverance and people getting set free, it's, it's not a knock against the people that are dealing with the things they're dealing with. The enemy's oppressing them, trying to destroy their life. Are you following me? And people will say that's so hard or that addiction or that lifestyle. No, it's not. It's not hard to get anybody delivered when the manifestation of the power of the Holy Ghost is in in the presence. Amen. God's putting lives back together. Amen. Do you see that? And, And here's the thing. When somebody comes with a problem, you don't got to preach on the problem. You just got to preach the answer. When you preach the answer, you, you, you report, they decide. Glory be to God. Am I helping you tonight? Notice, notice here verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now these were people that traveled around and did this for pay. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. Not a chief of the Jewish priests, but a chief of the priests that, that were exorcists. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and the man leaped, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this event was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Why was the name of the Lord Jesus magnified? Because they knew that Paul... People had taken aprons and handkerchiefs from Paul's body. They knew who Paul preached because notice these men knew in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. They knew that Paul, that they had sent aprons and handkerchiefs to demon-possessed people and they had been delivered. Do you see this? That's why the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. And his name will be magnified in Little Rock. Glory to God. There's a lot of names in this season being magnified. I'm telling you the name above every name is Jesus. And that's what we need to focus on is the name of Jesus. What the name of Jesus can do. Yeah, but this can do this. Yeah, but Jesus can fix that. Yeah, but this can do this. Yeah, but Jesus can fix that too. The name of Jesus. Are you following me? Verse 18, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Wow, telling it all. Many of them which used curious arts brought their books together, burned them, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So that's an indication of the word prevailing. Amen. Think about this for a moment. Demons left after contact with garments that came from Paul. 
Demons left. Now people were healed and that's, that's tremendous. But think about it. Demons left. A demon-possessed person came in contact with that handkerchief and was instantly delivered. Nobody laid hands on them. There's too many. There's too many people. They couldn't do it. Amen. Oh, my Lord. So this story became known. What also became known was that it was only through the name of Jesus that demons can be defeated. People are finding right now in their lives there are things that only Jesus can take care of. And they're going to find that out more. And we got to be ready. Amen? It also proved that the witchcraft and the magical arts they were studying were powerless as well. Amen. The, 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 the one, one, today's English version says the price of this paraphernalia was $50,000 in our money. What's well, a lot now? Imagine how much it was then. And they took $50,000 worth of this witchcraft occultic material and burned it. Why? Because they saw that what they read in that book was powerless compared to a man that had the name of Jesus on his side. Amen. Signs, wonders, miracles, deliverances. What do they demonstrate? Satan's defeat. It is proof positive that Satan's defeated because he's the author of that. Hallelujah. These signs were a result of the word, but notice what these cause. They cause the word to grow. If the word is going to grow and prevail, there has to be a reason that people want to come hear the word. You know, over and over again, we see where it says that Jesus, it says they came to hear and to be healed. They heard and were healed. But then those that heard and were healed went and told that they were healed and others came to hear and be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When people see that there's power to set free and deliver in the word, they'll want more of it. Because there's power to set free and deliver. Don't don't ever be afraid to talk about the deliverance of the word. We were talking with Mark Hankins one time. He was in our church and he was talking about my wife's testimony. And he said, never be ashamed of giving your testimony. He said, in the book of Acts alone, the apostle Paul gave his testimony three times. Three times. Don't, Don't ever be ashamed of where God brought you from. That's where God brought you from. You ought, to be, you ought to give God the glory every chance you get. That That's where you were and this is where you're at. That's not you anymore. You're not talking about you. You're talking about a dead person. You're talking about a person that doesn't exist anymore. That's what I was, but this is who I am now. Amen. And it gives glory to God. And every time somebody hears that, they think, that's where you were and look where you're at. What can God do for me? Mm-mm. The Jerusalem Bible says, in this impressive way, the word of the Lord spread more and more widely and successfully. Widely and successfully. Another translation says, in this powerful way, the word of the Lord kept spreading and growing stronger. 
in this powerful way. Well, what powerful way? Not powerful preaching in this powerful way. Powerful way of signs and wonders and miracles and deliverances. Amen. You know, we hear certain things, and, 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 and sometimes I, I, I think I'm concerned that people think, well, that's for that person because they've got such great faith. And listen, many of the people that we see in the book of Acts, most of them, all of them, really, they had never heard Hebrews 11.1. 1. It wasn't written. They had never read the Gospel of John or Mark. It wasn't written. This is our example. When I hear that this happens, I think, well, I can do that. If you do it, I can do it. Right? People need to see that. I say people need to see that. When uh, some years ago, uh, one of the fellowship pastors, uh, Pastor Eddie Quay from Ghana, West Africa, he uh, wanted us to come over and and uh, do some crusades, and we did, and, and uh, uh, I think I was over there two weeks, and uh, I- I'm telling you, I hear people say things in uh, America sometimes, I hear people talk about how the hunger in America is not what it is in other countries, I disagree, and, and I'll tell you why I disagree, I, I-, I-, I disagree uh, for one simple reason, there, there are people in America that are going through much of the same things, we've just got such an infrastructure and such a medical community that we can help more people. The difference in those nations is this. If they don't get help at the church, they don't get any help. They don't get any. Amen. You know, I, I, I was reminded of something. You know, and this is in part two of Rebuilding the Walls. And, and I've already got part two ready. So, but anyway, you know, and, and it's just something the Lord brought to me. You know, when Jesus, a leper came to Jesus. You know, it's fitting. Lepers had the social distance. They couldn't get close to anybody because it's a communicable disease. A man came to Jesus, fell at his feet, and said, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. Now, this isn't the Jesus of the movies. Looked like he's riding a skateboard. And they always got him going like this. I, I don't know what that's all about. Anyway, if you would to, you can heal me. The Woos Bible says Jesus said, I desire it with all my heart, and reached out and touched him. Touched him. I'm not suggesting you go touch a bunch of people. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. The church has never been called to hide from the problems that the world's facing. Ever. Ever. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about presumption. What, what I'm saying is when you see the, when I was in Ghana, West Africa, I saw something. And what I saw 
was the maladies of hurting humanity. I know what it's like to walk through crowds where you, the stench of sickness is overwhelming. I remember, I, and, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm, I'm just telling you a story. I remember preaching, I was preaching on faith in God will heal your body. Faith in the Word of God, you can be healed. And, we're, and they'd set up the, the crusade grounds on a, on a beach. And, and the, the ocean was behind us and the platform was here. And there were thousands of people out in front of us. And, and I'm preaching. I was, I was the speaker every night. And I'm preaching. And I remember saying, if you want to be touched by Jesus, make your way to the front. You know, you, in America, you see people get up and, and, you know, four or five or ten or twelve or if it's in a big place, maybe more. It was a surge. It was like a wave of people that came. And people came up, and the first lady I looked at, she had a patch on her eye, and there was, there was goo running out from under the patch. You could Whatever the wound was, you could smell it. Another person, her arm just looked horrible. I, I, I mean, it was just, and I'm standing there in that, in that press of humanity, and you almost feel overwhelmed, and you want to say, what do I have to give these people? Because they're there because you said Jesus would heal them. Amen. And I started laying hands on people. And, 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 and I realized why Jesus utilized getting people healed by speaking his word. There's no way to touch everybody. I turned around. Here's what got me. I turned around and all the preachers were sitting on the platform with their legs crossed watching me. And I turned around and over the microphone and I said, you preachers, get down here and help me. We got people that need to be healed. Amen. What I didn't know, I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to tell you two more. You got time? Yes, amen. The cake will wait. <laughs> right? <laughs> Lily's like, uh-uh, the cake not waiting. Well, l- let me tell you this. At the end of that night, I said, if you did not get up here and we did not touch you, I'm going to tell you this part of it. I said, just right now, lay your hand on the affected part of your body and Jesus will heal you. Well, I'll get back to that. The next night, the evangelist there that, that they brought to, to minister on the Saturday night named Yao Paul. And Yao Paul was about this big. Now, he wasn't Asian. He was African, Yao Paul. All right, that's what his name was. And man, he took the microphone and there was just this anointing that began to surge and he was preaching and, and he made his way this way and there was an elderly woman that was sitting over there that they had brought in a wheelchair. She couldn't walk, couldn't see. And I watched Yao Paul walk over, fall on his knees before her, look at her and say, Mama, Jesus makes you whole. Never touched her. Mama makes you whole. That woman jumped up, totally healed, could see, could walk, totally healed by the power of God. Every night of those meetings, somebody got out of a wheelchair. Somebody wheeled themselves home. One man, his sons, they had to push him through the sand on that beach in a, in a wheelchair. They tilted him up and pushed him through the sand to get him in the healing line. He was a big man, could not walk, couldn't get out of the wheelchair. 
and we're praying for people. And, and I had prayed for people until I couldn't hardly walk. And they, uh, they were just having to ring me out. And Pastor Eddie said, come on, we got to get you home. The last man I laid hands on was that man in the wheelchair. I don't think I had anything to give him. I didn't think. I laid hands on him and I just prayed over him, Lord, heal him in the name of Jesus. And I, they got me back to the, to the place we were staying and I, I changed clothes. We were getting something to eat. And two of the young ministers came in, and they were rejoicing. And they said, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. We said, what's going on? They said, that last man you prayed for, his sons didn't wheel him home. He got up and walked home. Every night, people got healed, and the crowds increased. Well, that night, that Friday night, that I had prayed about that, and I told them, if you can't reach the front, Lay hands on the afflicted part of your body. There was a woman there, unbeknownst to us, she stood all the way in back. I didn't know this. Her daughter had cut her leg, her, her infant daughter. I think she was two. She had cut her leg. Well, again, in America, it's no big deal. But there it can be a death sentence. Well, she had waited until there was gangrene in the leg. And she took the baby to the doctor. I don't know why the doctor decided to do this. It, God knew it, though. The doctor said, well, uh, we're going to keep her here for the next couple of days, and Monday we're going to take her leg. Well, that woman knew we were going to lay hands on the sick that night. She went to the hospital after hours and broke her daughter out of the hospital and brought her daughter to that meeting but couldn't get to the front because of the press. Doesn't that sound like somebody in the Bible? And the Lord had me say, if you can't get up here, lay hands on the afflicted part of your body and God will heal her. On a Sunday morning, she gave the testimony holding that little baby girl. And she said, when I laid my hands on her leg, it was, it was putrefied, it was rotten, it was full of gangrene. I laid my hands on her leg and told her to be healed. And when I took my hand off, it was a totally new, new leg. Hallelujah. Because of the demonstration of the word. Hallelujah. That makes people want what we have. When, when, when we went to that part of Africa, we went to the city we held the conference, the uh, uh, crusade in was called Zita, D-Z-I-T-A. It was a stronghold of ancestral worship. You could feel the oppression when you went there. And you could see groves all over where people would worship. Uh, uh, the pastor, that's where he was from, the apostle that took us. And, and we went in and you would go into the houses and there would be their shrines to their ancestral gods. And you could feel the oppression. Hallelujah. When we left that city, they had tore down the sign of the original name of the city. And they had put up Zita. The city where Jesus is Lord. I've seen a city change for Jesus. I've seen it. Now I heard about it. Saw it. Saw it happen. More miracles than we, than we, can, than we can count. Oh, uh, 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 I don't want to say a witch doctor because that's elementary, but a man that practiced a cult came to a couple of the men that were part of the crusade team. And threatened them. He said, if you all don't leave here, I'll put a curse on you and you'll die. 
and he had some powder or something that he blew on people. And it was known that if he blew that powder on you, it, it could make you sick or kill you. He blew that powder on those Holy Ghost filled men and he dropped over dead. He dropped over dead. The power of God. Are you following me? I tell you those stories to tell you people's lives were rebuilt. People's lives were rebuilt. And people in the city that we live in, it may not be to that extreme or it may be, but there are people their house tonight that don't know what they're going to do they have no hope they have no way of figuring out what they're going to do with their life and if things don't change in a hurry they don't know what they're going to do and we have the answer we have the answer you have the answer for your neighbor you have the answer for your cousin you have the answer for your friend you have the answer we have the answer it's so important if we're going to help people rebuild the walls of their lives, we got to know that what we say, it's got to be more than words. It's got to be followed with power. It's got to be followed with authority. Glory be to God. I believe God. I believe God. Thank you, Jesus.